Well, good morning, Emmanuel. Good morning, friends. So good to be back with you this morning. Man, I praise the Lord for the worship this morning. Praise me, and God, are you guys treated every Sunday to be led like that? Wow. Wow. Man, I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I feel a little Pentecostal. <laughs> I feel it coming over me this morning. I want to do a little running and shouting, but I see they barricaded me this morning. <laughs> they must have sensed it. Praise be unto God. As Amy said, my name is Leon McKenzie. I serve as a pastor for teaching and preaching at a sister church, Redeemer Community Church, and also as a co-dean of the East Coast, along with my pastor, Pastor Drew Henley, over Redeemer as well. And again, it is such an honor to be with you. You guys are just so sweet, so kind, and um, just great to be with all of you and to get to see you. And also to be here, you know, relatively in close time, just one week and then another week, and, and that's great. We get to build a little bit upon what I spoke last week. But uh, we're going to be coming from Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through, through um, 16, actually. If you're a good Anglican, you may know that the lectionary says that we're going to verse 20, but I've taken some liberty to cut it a little short. So please, please forgive me, you very faithful Anglicans. Um, please don't report me to Bishop Todd. Um, but we're just going to stop at verse 16 today. And the main idea, the thing that I want us to walk away with this morning, if you don't walk away with anything else, is this, that Christ followers make the world better. All right? Or, to put it differently, Christ followers ought to make the world better. Amen? Do you agree with that? Amen. And so I'm going to read Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 20, and then we will pray together and jump in. Beginning in verse 13, Jesus speaking, he says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand. And it gives light to all in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And this is the word of the Lord. Please pray with me, brothers and sisters. Dear Lord, this morning I come before you feeling like that I've just experienced a holy moment. In praise and in worship, I'm so grateful for the way that you have met us this morning. For indeed, Lord Jesus, you are our one defense. Indeed, Lord Jesus, you are our righteousness. There is no name under heaven by which man or woman can be saved. Indeed, Lord, we need you. We need you this morning, Father, and I pray that you would be pleased to continue to be with us as, we, as I endeavor to proclaim 
what I believe you've given me in your word, Lord, be with us as we take of your body and your blood this morning in communion, even as you've promised to be. And Lord, as I endeavor to proclaim your word, I pray for the grace and the help of Holy Spirit that with clarity, with conviction, and with your effectual power, your word would come forth. And Father, I pray that your word would accomplish in every heart and mind, every person present this morning, exactly what you sent it for to accomplish. You are good and you are worthy. So we give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise this morning. In Jesus' matchless name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, praise the Lord. So, um... It's really interesting how the Lord chooses to work in timing and in the lectionary, the liturgical tools he gives us, because a couple weeks ago when I was here, we talked about how Jesus is the what? How many of you guys remember this? No one did their homework, huh? No one. The who? I heard it. Say it. The light, amen, yeah. We talked about how Jesus is the light. And then last week, we went through the Beatitudes. There was somewhat of a break with speaking about the light. But in God's providence, we come back today and we speak again about the light. So it feels kind of like, you know, the Lord is making some connection here with me coming back and being able to build on the sermon. Um, there's a little bit of feedback coming through. Um, <laughs> um, but with Jesus coming back to this idea of Jesus being the light. And so if you remember from Matthew chapter 4, we talked about how Jesus is the light and that his followers are called to be his light bearers to the world. And if you remember, I said that to have the light of Jesus shining on us means that we become light bearers who in turn shine that light on others who remain in the darkness from which we ourselves have been delivered. And we also took a look at part of today's passage in verse 16, and I said that we shine the light of Jesus through our what? Good deeds. Amen. Through our good deeds, the ways that we care for and serve others. Just to be honest, I'm just teasing you. I don't expect you to remember everything I said a couple weeks ago. But some of you do, so gold star for you. I also talked about the need for our light to shine together as a community. I said that people will be drawn to our light when they see how brightly we shine together. We talked about the need for unity and for making sure that darkness doesn't persist among us, that it's not separating us, that it isn't harming our witness to the world. Well, today, um, I'm going to jump a little bit ahead in our passage. I'm going to skip over verse 13, and I'm going to start in verse 14, because verse 14 picks up on this metaphor of the light where we left off last week. And Jesus continues this light metaphor, speaking about it in terms of the collective light of the people of God, the light of the Christian community as a whole and not just Christ followers as individuals, right? The collective effect of Christ followers shining the light of Jesus together. And in verse 14, Jesus looks at his disciples. If you remember, he's taken his disciples away into a hillside or into a mountainside, and he's speaking to them specifically. And at this point, Jesus looks at them in verse 14, and with emphasis, he says, you, 
plural you. You are the light, singular light. You, plural, are the light, singular, of the world. And in case the collective essence of the plural you is lost on them, he goes on to tell them in a metaphorical way that a city on a hill cannot be hidden. And what Jesus is talking about is the brightness of the lights that emanate from a city and that make a city impossible to hide. Now, what we know about a city is that it's made up of many buildings, many structures, and indeed many lights. And when you're on the ground in a city, especially at nighttime, you can take for granted, it can be completely lost on you how bright the city is because you're only focused with the light that affects you at that moment, right? If you're driving on the road, you're concerned with the headlight and what you can see ahead of you, street lights, things like that. If you're at home, you're only concerned with the one light that's illuminating the light in the room you occupy at that point. However, if you've ever been in a plane or if you've ever been you know, bored and you look at Google Earth? Do you, do you, anybody else do that when you're bored? I wonder what it looks like in Uzbekistan right now. If you've ever done that, what you've noticed is from that height, if you look down on cities, particularly major cities like our own or New York or L.A., you'll notice that the cities look like one bright, immensely bright and indistinguishable light. A light that's beaming out of a sea of darkness. A light that cannot be hidden. And friends, Jesus is trying to tell his disciples this morning that his followers, his uh, disciples, are supposed to shine like that. The love and the compassion that Christ's followers have for the world should be so evident, brothers and sisters, so evident like the light of a city that the people who live near us and work near us and do any kind of life close to us cannot miss the fact that we are indeed children of the light. They should not be able to miss the fact that we are God's children and the fact that God is indeed good. Our lives should communicate that the light of Jesus has shone on us and changed us and changed us and is now radiating from within us. And to reiterate my point from last sermon a couple weeks ago, this is why it is so important to maintain a life of repentance. A lifestyle of making sure that there are not things persisting in our lives that darken the light of Jesus. Like the things that separate us in community. Things like unforgiveness. Things like backbiting, things like the inability to agree to disagree about things that really don't matter, and things like the inability to discern what does really matter. 
Brothers and sisters, we have to continually turn to the light that is Jesus Christ. We have to continually turn from the darkness of this world that seeks to destroy us and seeks to destroy our community. We have to turn to the light. And let us not allow darkness to overtake us because indeed we are the light. And if the light within us is dimmed, then our world is without hope. The light of Jesus resides in us. And if that light is snuffed out, brothers and sisters, then there is no light to shine into the darkness that is this world. Fight for this light. That would be a great sermon title. (laughs) Well, jumping back to verse 13, to the salt metaphor that Jesus begins with there, Jesus tells his disciples emphatically, he says that they are the salt of the earth. And of course, this metaphor begs the very important question, how in the world are the disciples salty? You know, when I was growing up, if you said somebody was salty, that was a bad thing, right? But Jesus means it in a good way here. How are the disciples to be salty? What property of salt are they supposed to exhibit? I love the way the scholar R.T. France, the New Testament scholar, explains this. And this, this is somewhat of a long one, so rock with me here for a second. He says, Sirach, or Ecclesiasticus, 3926, it lists salt as one of the basic essentials for human life. He says, disciples are no less essential to the well-being of the earth, okay, which here refers to human life in general. The two most significant uses of salt in the ancient world were the flavoring and for the preservation of food. And either or both of those uses would provide an appropriate sense here in our passage this morning. The disciples are to provide flavor to the world that they live in. They are to provide flavor in the world that they live in. And they are to help prevent its corruption. The two ideas are are not incompatible. Brothers and sisters, disciples are to make the world a better place. Friends, I've never experienced this personally by the goodness and grace of God, but I can't imagine many things worse than having to eat a tasteless meal in a dark room. <laughs> I can't imagine any, many things worse. And brothers and sisters, our friends and our family, those that we love in this world, are living tasteless lives in a dark world. They are living tasteless lives in a dark world. What's worse, they are doing their absolute best to flavor their lives with every artificial, overly processed, and unhealthy thing within reach. Only to find that those things are making them sicker and sicker and farther from the flavor they desire. Friends, we got the salt. We got the salt. As a matter of fact, you know what Jesus says? Jesus says that we are the salt. We are the flavor that they are looking for. And so here's the question for us. If we are the salt, but we aren't salting things, 
if we are the salt, but we're not enhancing the flavor of the lives of those we come in contact with, then what are we doing? Then what are we doing? Jesus says here that if we're salt that's not salting things, then we are what? Useless. Jesus says salt that ain't salty. (laughs) Salt that doesn't salt is good for nothing except to be trashed. If you're mad, Jesus said it. He said salt that ain't salty ain't good for nothing but to be thrown out in the street. Friends, I say it again. If people are rubbing shoulders with us, if people are coming to Emmanuel seeking something else, if people are crossing paths with us and are not experiencing a flavor of life that makes them go, man, where can I get some of that? then we have to ask ourselves, have we lost our saltiness? Have we lost our saltiness? And what is the reason for the lack of flavor that we're bringing to other people's lives? And I'd bet that some of these reasons are a lot like the things that cause us not to shine as, shine as brightly as we should. The things that separate us. The things that darken the light that Jesus has shown on us and shines, shown onto us and shines through us. Friends, the one thing that Jesus makes clear about both the light and the salt that are his disciples, again, the light and the salt that are his Christ followers, are his followers, are that they are both supposed to be incredibly conspicuous. For Christ followers, brothers and sisters, our salt, our flavor in this world, our light in this darkness is supposed to be easily seen and experienced. It shouldn't be a secret. It shouldn't be a secret. It shouldn't be something that people can easily miss. R.T. France says it again as I close. He says, salt is no use as long as it stays in the salt cellar. How many of you guys have a salt cellar? I'd love to come to your house. That, that's pretty awesome. I didn't know that was a thing. But he says, salt is no use as long as it, is, as it stays in the salt cellar. Light is no use under a bowl. It is the town conspicuously sighted on the hill, which people notice. And the outcome of distinctive dis- discipleship, the outcome of true Jesus following is, to, is intended to be that other people will notice, and though sometimes they may respond with cynicism and even persecution, ultimately the light will have its effect and they will recognize and acknowledge the goodness of the God who is indeed its source. Disciples, therefore, must be both distinctive and involved. In other words, disciples must be different than the world around them, but active in it. Neither the indistinguishably assimilated nor the inaccessible hermit will fulfill the mandate of these challenging verses. 
friends, in a world that remains flavorless and filled with artificial, unhealthy, and even dangerous flavorings, a world that resides in utter darkness, Christ followers, we exist to provide a marked saltiness and a distinguished light that makes life in this world better. So I ask you this morning, I ask all of us this morning, are we salty or are we just bitter? Are we salty or are we bitter to the taste? Are we brightening the spaces we inhabit with the light and love of Jesus or are we just stumbling in the dark like everyone else around us? Be salt, brothers and sisters. Be light in this world. And let's make this world a little better. I want to close this morning by saying that um, I don't want to take for granted that you may be here this morning and you hear the salt metaphor and the light metaphor, but you're thinking to yourself, Before I can be salt and light to anyone else, I realize I need a little bit of that sprinkled on me. I need a little salt sprinkled on me. I need some light. And I want to say to you this morning that any saltiness that anyone has here this morning, and I mean that in a good way, any light that anyone has this morning comes from the source who is Jesus himself. And he is here this morning to salt you up He is here this morning to shine his glorious light on you. And the only thing that's required for that salt and that light to break forth into your life is that you would believe that you have nothing else to bring him but brokenness, bitterness, darkness, and that he has all that you need. Let's pray together this morning. Dear Lord, I thank you so much again for your word. And even as I ended, I do pray in your mercy, Jesus, that all of us this morning can recognize not only where we've lacked being salt and light, but where our own life lacks your light and your salt in our lives. Would you indeed come and salt us up, Lord God? Or would you beam us with your light? Would you help us to go forth and be just that to those in the world around us? Forgive us for where we've fallen short. And in all grace, no condemnation, let us go forth rejoicing. We give you the honor and the glory and the praise. In Jesus.